Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Go in your Bibles with me this morning to Romans chapter 12 if you have a Bible. If you uh, came in this morning and did not receive a message card, you can raise your hand. And uh, they'll help you. Do want to remind you as well that you can find this message on your, your phone there as well in the Uversion app. But uh, we are in now week three of our series called DP Strategy. DP Strategy. And uh, we've been talking about our heart as a church, our heart for the house, our heart for our vision, our mission. And then how that vision and mission plays out in the core values. Uh, I do want to mention how awesome was it to see our quintuplets on the stage. Did you see our quintuplets of females? One female, two female, three female, four female, five female, and one male. You ladies, I'm giving it up for you ladies, all right? Come on, let's, let's put our hands together for the ladies. Leading the charge, my goodness, leading the charge. That's also a, a, a kind of an underpunch to the young men in the room as well. But uh, no, I know you're serving. We all, all kinds of men out on the welcome team holding their... Their, uh, their umbrellas this morning. It takes an army, but and I just I wanted to I wanted to honor that and recognize that. We're in this this third week, and today I want to talk about our third part of our strategy called groups, particularly connect groups. By way of introduction and review, our vision as a church manifesting Christ in many ways to many people. That's the preferred picture. How does that play out in our mission? Our mission is to gather people to Jesus Christ. You'll see at the top right of your card. To gather people to Jesus Christ. Lead them to biblical maturity for the multiplication of believers, leaders, and churches. Week one, I talked about the power of our gatherings. I talked quite a bit about the love for God's word. What does it mean to eat his food together in his presence at his table? That's what it means when we come together in gatherings. Last week, Pastor Chad talked about how every uh, kind of sector of society and sphere of society uh, n- always expects out of their own constituents growth. But the church, a lot of times, is okay with people never growing. In fact, it's the majority of most people in our North American context, people who've been to church for so many years. I've told you before, they, they follow Jesus for 25 years, but they don't have 25 years experience. They have one year of experience repeated 25 times. They've never really grown. They've never really transformed their life, received change. And today we're going to talk about what it means to connect, what, what it means to truly be a church member. Now at Dwelling Place, We have four core values. We have many core values that are what we call secondary values. Of course, you can find all of those on the website as well. Those who are going to be in membership will go through each of these. But the four main values that we have are worship, our discipleship, our fellowship, and stewardship. Today, I'm going to talk about that third main core value, fellowship. What does it really mean to be in fellowship with God and fellowship with one another? I will go ahead and give you a disclaimer. This is probably my favorite subject to speak on in the scripture. I love talking about particularly community, but even more so connect groups, small groups. What does it mean to be in small group ministry? And so I want to share with you some of the things I feel the Lord is laying on my heart. And again, paint a picture for us. You know, life in our day and age is difficult. That's no surprise. And because life is difficult, you need strength. To survive, not just survive, but thrive, right? We're not raising people who just survive the world, but are able to thrive the world, and thrive in the world, I should say, and and, and learn to bring about change in the world. You know, they say only the strong survive. Well, 
I would just tell you, you're never really going to be strong in life until you build strong relationships. You're never really going to be the person God has you to be until you have strong connections. And here at Dwelling Place, we want you to grow strong. You say, Craig, well, how do you grow strong relationally? Well, the best place to do that is in the flock of God. It's in the local church context. It's in the church of Jesus Christ. Why is it important to be connected? Well, I started thinking this week, and I wrote down 10 things throughout the Scripture. I don't want to share all of them with you, but I'll share three of them if you'd like to take notes. No, I couldn't fit them on your card. I want to give you three initial ways why it's so important for you to be connected. Just Three out of the ten. List about uh, why the Bible says it's not good to be alone. Why you need relationships in your life. Number one, we were created for connections. We were created for connections. In fact, from the outset of the Bible, we were wired by God to be social people. Genesis, the Bible says in 126, after he created uh, man, okay, the scripture says very clearly that he said it's not good for man to be alone. Now listen, whether or not you're ever married or not, that's not what's important here. What's important here is that you have strong friendships in the family of God. Without human connection, we feel empty. I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not. Why is solitary confinement the worst form of punishment to the human race? Because you were not created to be solitary. You were not created. You are a social being in your very essence. We all have a, I call it a longing for belonging. We want to feel connected. Have you ever wondered why people wear name brand clothes? We wear clothes and we have, to, we have to have a logo. Sometimes we have the very whole company that makes our clothes. We wear them on the front of our shirt. And I ask myself the question, why would anybody be a walk-in advertisement for somebody else and do it for free? Why? Because we want to be connected. And in some way, if I wear this shirt, I'm valuable, I'm accepted, I'm cool, I know what's going on. People are able to accept me, so we find even our depth of connection in the very clothes that you and I wear. So we're made for connections. Number two, connections balance our lives. Connections balance our lives. By yourself, you will live an unbalanced life. Why? Because we all tend to go to extremes, don't we? No one ever sees everything clearly. We need each other. Here's what I've learned. This is so beautiful. That the more connections you develop deeply, the more perspective you will have. People who have limited perspective, it's because they have limited connections. Teenagers who have high drama, it's because their world's no bigger than the three people that are their best friends that lived in the same city for the first 16 years of their life. And when they get outside of their city, they gain more connections than all of a sudden they gain new perspectives in life there's this phrase in the scripture called the one another phrases the one another's there are 58 times in the new testament alone where we're called to love one another to pray for one another to greet one another to encourage one another to care for one another to exhort one another to uphold one another this is the mutual ministry of the body of christ to itself to itself we have balance in relationships. The third reason is connections give us strength. Connections give us strength. In every way, I would say. Connections give us emotional strength. Connections give us spiritual strength. Connections, catch this, can even give us physically strength, physical strength. You can handle far more in life when you know you aren't alone. I've pastored people who handle enormous amounts of stress and pressure, but they only can do it if they know that someone else has gone through it. 
As a human being, if you know someone else has gone through something, it strengthens you. You can handle enormous amounts of pain if you know you're not by yourself. If you know you're not alone. We were wired for connections. Connections balance our lives. Number three, connections give us strength. Now never, listen to me, in the history of mankind have we been more connected because of technology. Never. Cell phones, smartphones, social media, internet. You are connected to the whole world right now, sitting in your seat in this church building, this facility. You're right here. In fact, if something happens in France right now, we're going to know within maybe 120, 190 seconds. Instantly. You are connected right now to the entire world. We've never been more connected. And yet, Although we're connected together, even though technology has made the world more connected, people feel more disconnected than ever before. People, according to stats, feel more lonely than ever before. Part of that's mobility because we move around. We jump around. Our jobs make us jump around. Part of that is because our social values. In the Western world, we value independence or individuality, not community. And so part of that is the reason we feel disconnected. And part of it is the pace of life. We move so quickly through life that we don't have time for relationships. That's why you need the church. That's why you need connect groups. That's why you need connections. In the church, you get a kind of relationship that you can't get anywhere else in life. It's the only connection on earth that will last. Is when you enter into relationship with other believers in the church. Why? Because the church ultimately will last forever. The church is all that's on planet earth right now that will last forever. The Bible says that one day the world will end in terms of burning up. That, that, that even the universe does. That Jesus, God creates a whole brand new world. A new heavens and a new earth, right? We see this. Not just in the Bible. Scientists know this. If you're a science nerd like me, you know 100 years ago, scientists said that the, the universe was eternal. That it had no beginning and no end, right? I mean, the, the, in this understanding that it will never end, it's everlasting. But now we know, even scientists, that yeah, it did have a beginning. It will have an end. According to the second law of thermodynamics, there is only one thing that will last forever. That's the family of God. Let me say it this way. God created the entire universe because he wanted a family. He wanted connections. Look what Ephesians 1.23 in the message translation says. I want to give you this paraphrase from Eugene Peterson. He said in Ephesians 1.23, listen to this. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Wow. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and by which he fills everything with his presence. Listen to me. One day there'll be no businesses. One day there'll be no more sports teams. One day there'll be no more hobbies. But there's one thing that will last to get forever on this planet. One thing that's on this planet. And that's the church of Jesus Christ. I want you to look at your message notes before you. Romans chapter 12 verse 5. We're going to read this verse aloud together. Romans chapter 12 verse 5. Notice what the Bible says. You'll see it on the screen. Even though we are many individuals. Come on read it with me. Christ makes us one body. And individuals who are connected to each other. Notice that. Connect groups. Connect I want you to circle the word connected. Church is not an event you attend. It's a family you belong to. Church is not a place you go. 
It's a relationship you're connected with. It's a group you're a part of. It's not an event you attend. We are connected. Notice that word. We are connected to each other. God wants you to understand the significance of connecting with other believers so badly that he gives us four. Everybody say four. He gives us four metaphors in scripture of what a church is like in being connected to other members of the church. I've not preached a more simple message, by the way, than than the message you're about to hear. Clearly from the scripture of how we can teach what it is that we receive from connect groups. Four metaphors in scripture of what it means to be connected. Membership in the body of Christ. He says it's like being a brick in God's temple. It's like being a body part in a body. It's like being connected to a fruit tree or a vine. And it's like being a family member of a family. Now, each of these four metaphors have profound influence and impact when you understand what it means to be connected that deeply. Connecting to other believers in a church family is like any other connection you'll have in life. No other relationship, as I said a minute ago, is going to last forever. Did you know you're not given to marriage in the kingdom? So you know what that means? Right now, your marriage, you think it's your greatest connection? Your marriage doesn't last forever you have a physical family guess what your physical family does not last forever you might have relationships with businesses they will not last forever you might play on a sports team but that will not last forever but listen there's one relationship on planet earth that you could have that's going to last forever and that's being a member of God's family that's being a part of connection being a part of his church being a part of his body so the church offers you four things in a relationship you can't get anywhere else on the planet. I want us to look at these four metaphors, four word pictures from the word of God to see what this means. First, what happens when I join the church family? What are you saying, Craig? What, what happens first? Well, when I become a member of a church, number one, it connects me to God's eternal temple. You'll see that on your card in front of you. It connects me to God's eternal temple. This is the first metaphor that the Bible uses for the church. He says that God is building a spiritual temple. It's a living temple. It's made of bricks. It's made, uh, not of bricks, I should say. It's made of people. It's a lasting temple. It's going to last forever and ever and ever. And you need to get connected to it. Look what 1 Corinthians 3 and 16 says. He says, didn't you realize that all of you together, there's that word, are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? In fact, when he says in Philippians 1, that, that uh, don't you know that the God who began the work in you will be faithful to complete it? The you is plural. He's not even talking about the individual work. The work God built and started in dwelling place, he will be faithful to complete it. We are connected in our very essence of being believers. Look at Ephesians 2 and 21, where we get dwelling place from. Ephesians 2 and 21, we who believe are carefully joined, there's the word again, together becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Look at Ephesians 2, 22, and in Christ you are being built, there it is, together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. In all three of those verses that I just gave you, there's one word repeated three times. I want you to circle that word, together, together, together together. This is something you cannot do on your own. This is something that God has not enabled you or allowed you to do on your own. You can only do it in community. You can only do it in connection. You can only do it in relationship of being connected to the church of God, to the church of Jesus Christ. You can be connected and must be connected to the church. You become the temple together. You're carefully joined together. 
together, he says. You're being built together in a dwelling place in which God lives my spirit. Now, reading about those verses, it reminds me about building. It reminds me of my own life because last year we got in this building two weeks before uh, we were to move in for relaunch. And, and Chad and I spent about, about 19 hours a day, many of you were here, and we remodeled some stuff. We had painted. We had to come in and, and build the front of this stage and build the pallet walls that are out in the, the lobby. My parents, right before I moved out of the house to get married, they, they said, we've lived in this house for 18 years. It's time to remodel this thing so that we can sell it. So what I started thinking this week is, what are some of the lessons I learned about rebuilding? If any of you are thinking about remodeling your house, I can go ahead and help you, okay? This will help you just a moment. But they have profound implications of building what God is building, a spiritual temple. I'll just give you four of them real quick. You can't build it with just one part. If you're remodeling a home, it takes thousands of different parts to build something beautiful. You can't just build a, a, a home with one part. You can't build a spiritual temple simply by yourself. Together, we build the body of Christ, the temple of God. Number two, all the parts have to fit together. A beam that's a half inch too long sets apart the entire house. Won't work. A tile that is one inch too long messes up the entire floor. A, a pipe that's an inch too short won't work. A door with hinges in the wrong place won't work. It has to fit together. Number three, a part is useless until it's connected. For a building to have stability, everything has to connect to everything else. If it's no connection, there's no use. Can you imagine walking upstairs that are disconnected? Impossible. You can't do it. Can you imagine? It would be useless. It would be useless. And listen, if you're not spiritually connected in God's house, let me just say it, you're spiritually useless. If you're not connected in God's house, you're spiritually useless. Useless. By yourself, you can't make the kind of difference that God wants you to make until you're connected in the house of God, connected in the temple of God. Number four, a part can be inside the house and still not a part of the house. Come on, anybody ever walk through some remodeling jobs? In other words, if you were to come over to my parents' house when they remodel, they got a whole stack of wood over there, and they got a pile of lumber over there, some electrical wire over there. There might be some pipes over there, and they're just piled up. They're in the house, but not part of the house. And that's the way a lot of attenders are at our churches. They're in the house, but not a part of the house. They're on the floor, and they're not building the spirit, spiritual temple. They're just in the house, but not a part of it. That's why, listen to me, church, that's why there's such a clear difference in being an attender versus being a member talked about membership matters I'm going I'm to talk in depth here in a minute but they're not the same thing the difference between an attender of a church and a member of a church is when I go out shopping and I go to a store and if I had a dollar for every time I'd be a millionaire that I heard this people come up to you and they they come up to you and you'll say hey pastor Craig pastor Chad and Craig man I just really love your church and when they say that I know they're not a member right they're just an attender because they say, I love your church. When they come up to me and say, Pastor Craig, I love our church, now I know they belong. It's their church. It's our family. It's not yours. It's not one who has leadership. No, it's our family. It's our flock. It is our church. It's what God has joined together. The difference between an attender and being a member is the difference between uh, living together and getting married. It's commitment. An attender comes to an event, a member belongs to a family. It's the difference between believing and belonging. 
God has called you not to simply believe. He's called you to belong to the family of God. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Saying that you belong to the church without belonging to a church is like saying you're married without having a wife. Okay? It's like saying I'm married, but you have no wife. Oh, I belong to the church. Well, you don't belong to a church, so how do you belong to the church? How are you belong to the church of Jesus Christ without belonging to a church, which is a representation of his very bride? Let me explain it this way. You become a Christian by committing yourself to Christ, but you become a member of a local church by committing yourself to other Christians. And that's where we drop off. That's where a lot of people never get to in their journey. And you say, that's going to be my family. That's going to be my spiritual home. That's going to be my place. A lot of people, I just tell you today, they want to date the body of Christ or bride of Christ. They want to go from church to church. They want to take her out on weekends. And if they don't like her, they'll go get another one. They'll take her that next weekend. And and the next one, they'll go get another one go take her on a date that next weekend they just date her they just date the the bride of christ just they don't want to make a commitment to her they just kind of date her and and, and they hop around i call it the bunny hop approach to worship now i know there's nothing wrong when you're trying to visit to determine where god wants you to be but i'm not talking about that i'm talking about the professional church hoppers right they really 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 love dwelling places preaching but man they really love the small group ministry of first baptist but then they really love the children's ministry because this they can and what happens is is we never get connected it's the bunny hop approach to worship We're like rabbits hopping around from place to place and never commit to any place. Listen, there are a lot of good churches. I can give you a hundred right around us in driving distance of this church, and they're all good. I've told you from week one, we're all on the same team. We're not in competition with any other church that glorifies Jesus, Jesus Christ and preaches the scripture. But that doesn't mean we want all of the same things. I've actually had people say, well, where is church membership in the Bible? It's all through the Bible. Where do we get the word member from? The Bible? Where do we get the word membership from? The Bible? It's not talking about funny hats and secret handshakes and code words, that kind of membership, you know, like AAA membership or something. No, it's talking about being connected like a member of the body is connected to the body. The first metaphor, God is building a spiritual temple. Now, why would God choose a building to be an illustration of what he wants the church to be? Because in a building, all of the parts are connected and they continue to support each other and to hold each other up. And that's the first purpose. I want to give you the purpose of each one of these metaphors and give you the benefits that you receive the first purpose of a local church family we're connected to hold each other up we're connected to provide strength and and and, and stability we're connected and connect groups so that we have the stability we need look at this next verse in your your outline first timothy 3 15 he says the bible scripture says the church of the living god is the pillar and the foundation of the truth let me ask you a question leave that up there what are pillars for pillars are for support They hold things up. And a foundation is for what? Stability. It makes things stable. So you can underline this on your card. What's the benefit of number one? The benefit of being connected to a local church is I get stability and support. That's what you get from a connect group. That's what you get from being a part of a church family. I get support and I get stability. You weren't meant to go through life disconnected. You weren't meant to go through life without support. You weren't meant to go through life without stability. You need other people in your life, come on church, who stabilize your spiritual 
spiritual growth, who stabilize what God's doing in you, who support your spiritual growth, who speak to what God is doing in you, who come alongside you and constantly strengthen your spiritual growth. And until you get connected to a church family and you belong, you don't have the pillar and the foundation that God wants you to have. You don't have the strength and the support and the stability that you need. Now listen, in your life, you're going to need emotional support. You're going to need physical support. You're going to need spiritual support. And quite honestly, the preacher of all people needs mental support. You're going to need that type of support in your life. And of course, the best place to do that is not just in a church. You know where the best place to do that? It's in a small group within the church. It's in a connect group within the church. It's when that's the needs pastorally begin to be ministered to in your life. Listen, we have 10 connect groups that are operating first and third Sunday nights. They meet together tonight. Gil and Blanca have one tonight. Tony has one tonight. Bryce has one on the second and fourth Saturdays. A men's uh, breakfast group that meets in Roswell for breakfast. We have connect groups that meet first and third Sundays. We've got a connect group that's uh, uh, the fourth Monday of every month that Bethany leads. It's a a book club. These These are opportunities to gain the stability and the support that God desires to give unto you. So the first picture of, of God is God building a spiritual temple. That's because we're all connected and the, the strength that we get is stability and strength. Number two, second benefit of being a part of a church is it connects me to Christ's body. It connects me to Christ's body. It's the most used word picture in the Bible about the church. The church is the, what, body of Christ. Again, let me read you some verses and we're gonna look at these. Powerful verses. Ephesians chapter 1, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, verse 22 and 23. God has put everything, notice that, under the authority of Christ, and God gave him this authority for the benefit of his church. Here it is. Which is the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, 25. Look what the scripture says. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other. Circle that word again, connected. We're connected together. Romans 12, 4 and 5. Just as there are many parts to our body, so it is with Christ's body. We're all parts of it, and it takes every one of us to make it complete. For we each have different work to do. So we belong to each other. Did you know that? You belong to all the other members. You belong. And notice this. And each of us, what? Needs all the others. That's what it means to really be connected. This verse, which is a very important verse, Romans 12, 4 through 5, if you'll leave it up a minute, I could break down that verse and give you really quickly five things that we need to know. Look at that verse. First, it says the church has many parts. Many, many parts. Look at that. Many parts. We're all different. We're all unique. If you look down your row right now, there's nobody like you. Even if you're a twin, you're different in a thousand different ways. Even an identical twin, you're different in a thousand different ways. Did you know God never makes clones? Aren't you thankful that we serve a God that never copies anything? What does that mean? No two snowflakes are alike. He doesn't ever, he never copies anything. He never clones anything. No two people are alike. God only makes originals. We make clones, but God only makes originals. He only makes something that is original. God loves diversity. Have you figured that one out yet, folks? What's one of our core values here at Dwelling Place? Multicultural fellowship. We want to be a church that is diverse. He could have made us all look like you and thank God we're not. He could have all made us look like Taylor, but thank God we're not all looking like Taylor. Taylor, you make a handsome man, but you would be one scary young lady.
He could have made us, but he loves every color, every shape, every size, every background, every language group. And here at Dwelling Place, we don't just accept and tolerate diversity. We want to celebrate it. We want multicultural fellowship. Even in our church, as I call it still a baby church, an infant church, beginning stages of this church, we already have six nationalities represented. That's already a picture of what God's doing, a picture of what God wants to take place. God wants diversity. Notice this. God loves diversity. Leave that verse up, Romans 12, 4 through 5. There are many parts. Then he says, secondly, every part is needed to make the body complete. You say, I'm not needed. Oh, yes, you are. You say, I'm, I'm in the body of Christ. I'm just a toenail. Have you ever lost a toenail? Dear Jesus. I have. Let me tell you something. When you lose a toenail, you notice that thing's gone. You don't wake up. Well, I don't got no toenail today. You can't walk. I'm just a toenail. Well, I've had a toenail removed. And I miss it when it's gone. I pray for God to supernaturally grow that thing back. Why? Because you may be a toenail, but you're important. We all may not be a mouth. Thank God I'm a pretty big mouth. But the Bible says the hand can't say to the ear, I don't need you. The eye can't say to the nose, I don't need you. The mouth can't say to the foot, I don't need you. And in the body of Christ, nobody can say to another member, we don't need you because we all make the body of Jesus Christ. We all have a different role to play in dwelling place. Not everybody's on stage. Not everybody's a singer. Not everybody's a connect group leader. Not everybody is teaching. But it's like a jigsaw puzzle, folks. We all have a different part to play. If you work a jigsaw puzzle and one piece is missing, when you look at that a puzzle, what's the first thing you notice? The piece that's missing. Let me tell you what five-fold ministers do. The moment we look at the jigsaw, we notice immediately what's missing. We notice immediately what part is not doing its part. What part, it may be out of covetousness or desire to do another part or, or bicep that wants to be a calf. Well, that's good. That's good when the body's ready to run, but what happens when we're ready to reach down lost people? We ain't got no biceps. We're trying to lift people up with calves. You can't do it anymore. You've got to get to a place where you understand what your position is in the body. You've got to be connected to the body. You are a member of the body. And if I don't do my part in the body of Christ, guess who gets hurt? You do. And if you don't do your part in this body, guess who gets hurt? I do. We're all connected to the one body. We make up this beautiful masterpiece, beautiful jigsaw puzzle of mosaic. I've said this before, but let me say it again. Don't ever confuse prominence with significance. They're not the same. Prominence and significance are not the same. I told this before, but my ears are prominent. They look like the BFG. That's just how the Lord made me. They're real big. They've always stuck out. I used to wear my hat down and try to tuck them underneath it, but they called me Opie when I was a kid. I don't even know what Opie is. Maybe some of you know what Opie is, right? But, but my ears have just, they're very prominent. My, if I walk sideways, my ears would get to the, to the door for three days before my, my cheek would get there, right? I mean, I, they've, they've been big ears. They're very prominent. But listen, I can lose my ear and still live a happily ever after life. It's prominent it's not significant. Inside of me, there's things like a liver. There's things like a heart. There's things like a lung. They're not prominent because you can't see them. In fact, I've never seen them except on a, 
on a screen. But if I lost them, I'd die right this instant. I would fall to the ground and I would die. They're significant, but they're not prominent. You need to understand, you may not be famous, you may not be prominent, but you are significant. And the body dies when you don't play your part. The body does not reach unity and health until you learn to embrace your role in the body of Christ. It's so significant. The most important light in my house right now is not the big chandelier when you walk in. It's that bathroom light that sits between Marley's bedroom and Knox's bedroom. Why? Because if my daughter, like she does, she came in last night. She's, when she gets stuffy nose, it's like miserable, okay? So we didn't sleep the other night, two nights ago. We definitely didn't sleep last night because when she gets a snuffy nose, it's crying all night long. And she got right up on my pillow. But if she wakes up in the middle of the night and that light's not there, it is it is, it is terror in my house because she can't see. She'll stub a toe. She'll walk with her Moe and, and hit the door and, and all this kind of, Moe's a blanket, by the way. I realize you didn't know what that is. And so she'll walk through the house, you know, and hit all these, and, pe- and people say, well, that's, that's not a very prominent light, but it's a very significant light. Very significant light. I was telling this illustration last night, and um, they said, well, Pastor Craig, that's not the most important light in your life. The most important light in your life is when you open the refrigerator door. And I said, true, that's true, man. I like to eat, okay? I like to eat. I just eat the whole entire thing, right? But, but notice, it's not prominent, but it's significant. We're all important. This says we have a different part of work to do. You see that? Different part of work to do. The Bible says if all the parts of the body of Christ did the same thing, it would be redundant. It would be necessary. Can you imagine a bunch of ears? This, I mean, what if you had one leg? You'd be going, you'd be going around in circles, right? You'd have no balance, you don't understand your part. This is the second beautiful picture. You need all the other parts. The eyeball can't say to the mouth, I don't need you. I want you to write this down in your outline. You ready? I cannot fulfill God's purpose for my life by myself. I cannot fulfill God's purpose for my life by myself. You must be connected in the body of Christ. You must be connected. You must be connected. All of the parts have their role. All of the parts need to be connected. Notice this. A hand can't, if a hand is cut off, not only is it separated from the body, and not only is it useless, but guess what the hand will do? It'll die. If the ear is cut off from the body, not only is it useless, but it can't hear a thing. And guess what it'll do? It'll die. And if you're cut off from the body of Christ, not only are you useless in your spiritual walk, but guess what else will happen? You will die. You will die. You must be connected to the body. You're a brink in the temple. You're a a part of the body. Paul, Paul warned about people who are spiritually disconnected. He did. And we're going to see the scripture. You hear people all say all the time, well, I love Jesus. I just don't need the church. Could there be a more biblically incorrect statement? Sadly mistaken. Because in order for you to have all these benefits, you've got to be connected. The strength and stability that you get. But notice Colossians 2.19, look what Paul says. He's talking about people who are spiritually disconnected, and this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says they're not connected to Christ, the head of the body. Speaking of the church, But we are joined together, notice this, in his body, that's the church, by the strong sinews. You know what sinews are? You anatomical people, that's the connective tissue. Sinews. And we grow only, catch this, as we get our nourishment and strength from God. What's he saying here? He's saying that the connections are the essence of life. 
Your body's organs, your body's muscles, your body's bones have no value if they're disconnected from one another. They have no value whatsoever. Your muscles got to be connected. Your bones got to be connected. Your organs got to be connected. In the body of Christ, you must be connected for spiritual strength. What happens if a body part gets disconnected? It dies. Look at that verse again, Colossians 2.19. And they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, but we are joined together in his body by strong sinews. And we grow only. I want you to circle the phrase on your sheet, grow only. This is going to be radical, but it's the truth. You ready? You only grow by being connected to Christ's body. You don't grow any other way. By the very birth into a body, the body of Christ, you are connected to people. In America, I know we've taught a lot of different other things than that. Many people think, I don't need the church, just me and Jesus. Me and Jesus, me and my Bible, that's all I need, impossible. You cannot grow disconnected from the body. Why? Because you have no lifeblood. You have no brain. You have no support system. You have no other bones. You have no other organs. You have nothing. You only grow as you are connected to the body. You'll wither. Connections keep us growing. Why is that? Because you already know what to do. You know, Pastor Chad and I said, we don't have to get up here and tell you what to do. You already know what's right. You just need somebody to encourage you in what's right. You already know what to do. You just need someone to encourage you in what to do. How many things in your life you knew you wanted to change, but you didn't because you didn't have the support to change? Anybody? You've known the things you wanted to change, but why didn't they change? Because you didn't have the support behind you to see change. Anybody can make a change in, a month, in, your, in your life for a month. That's easy. 31 days, that's easy. But if you want lasting change, it takes other people. It takes the body of Christ around you. Connections keep us growing. And what many people fail to understand is that you cannot grow spiritually without being connected to the church. Why? Because it has the life. It has the blood. You can't grow to maturity by yourself. Why? Because the ultimate goal of maturity is not knowledge. Uh Uh-oh, checkmate here. It's love. The ultimate goal of maturity is love. What are you saying, Craig? You can't learn to love unless you're around unlovely people. That means you can't grow to maturity till you're in relationship with other people because it's not about your knowledge. It's about your love. It's about your faith being expressed in loving ways. That's the maturity. Some of y'all know, don't look at them right now. Those people, they're unlovely people. They're the heavenly sandpaper that rub you the wrong way all the time. And God puts them in your life so you can learn real love. Every connect group has an EGR, extra grace required. That's just the way it is. Every connect group is going to have somebody that teaches you how to be stretched in love. You don't get that if you just attend. You don't get that unless you become a member. Let's say you want to get your body healthy. Craig, I want to exercise. I want to eat right. Well, you can do that on your own for a little while, but if you get your connect group behind it, you have somebody hold you accountable. You have a spiritual partner, a spiritual director. Life will change. You have a relationship. Life will change. You're going to grow much, much faster, and you're going to grow much more consistent. So let me give you the benefit real quick. What's the second benefit of being connected to the church? Write this down. Life and growth. I get life and growth. By being a part of God's temple, I get support and stability. By being a part of the body of Christ, I get life and growth. These are the things I get by being connected. Now we come to the third picture of the church in the Bible. This is the organic picture. This is the church as a fruit tree. The church is a grapevine. Ultimately, Jesus being the grapevine, the church is a plant. It's an organic picture. That's used many, many times in Scripture. Here's the third benefit when I join the church, when I connect. For us, when I get deeply rooted in connect groups, when I find a family around me. It connects me to the power of Jesus. I want to repeat that. It connects me to the power of Jesus. I move from attender to member. 
and I belong, I don't just believe. I'm now deeply connected. John 15, 5, Jesus says this. He says, I'm the vine, and you are the branches. If you stay connected to me, and I'm connected to you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Circle that word, nothing. Connected to bear fruit. Disconnected, you can do nothing. What's he saying here? Connections, ultimately connection to Jesus, is what empowers us. The power of Jesus flows through connections. You know this is true in every area of your life. A a disconnected toaster has no warmth. That bread's going to be as soft as it was when you put it in there. A disconnected stereo, I know we don't know those stereos, guys. They're these things that used to plug in the wall, and you would like turn it to AM, FM, and you would like listen to music. I know we don't have those anymore. But a disconnected stereo enables, I still got the old school boom box. I'm going to bring it one Sunday. I still got that thing. It's purple. My wife says it's hideous and she wants to sell it. I just keep on throwing it in the garage. I want that puppy. I got that boom box, man. The batteries don't work in it. I got to keep that thing plugged up now. But a disconnected boom box, you won't hear a sound. A disconnected DVD player can't show you a movie. A disconnected computer can't connect with Wi-Fi. In your life, one little wire can be disconnected in the hood of your car, and it keeps that entire car from moving forward, and you're about ready to cuss. You're stuck on the side of the road thinking, it's one little wire. One little disconnect keeps the entire body from moving forward. The same is true for your life, your spiritual life. If you're disconnected, disconnect from God, disconnect from the body of Christ, disconnect from the family of God, disconnected, you will lose your warmth. Let me say it that way. Your warmth will start fading. You will start gaining a cold life. You lose your power. One disconnect. You lose all those different things. Look at John 15 and 4 says, Jesus says the branch cannot produce any fruit by itself. It has to stay attached to the vine. Of course, speaking to Jesus in the same way, you cannot produce fruit unless you live in me. Circle the word produce. 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 Connections make us productive. I'm not productive outside of connections. In other words, what does it mean? If I have a weak relationships, guess what I have? I have a weak life. Isn't that a sad reality, though, of our nation? Weak relationships, weak life. Your life's impact will largely be determined by the connections you make, by who you're connected to. And the greatest, most important ones are those we make with Jesus and the ones we make with the church. He says a branch cannot produce fruit by itself. It has to stay connected to the vine. Anybody ever been to a vineyard before and you've seen the grapes? Anybody been to a vineyard? Beautiful, this time of the year. When you go into a vineyard, harvest grapes, you see people cutting the grapes at harvest time. One of the things you learn very quickly about harvesting grapes, which Jesus would have talked about in John 15 that night, is that all of the life of the grape is in the vine. You never see grapes just hanging out in thin air, okay? Detached grapes, there's a word for that. It's called raisins, <laughs> and they're on your shelf, okay? Detached grapes are called raisins, and you eat them, and they shrivel up, and they die, and they change flavor, by the way, which is what happens to Christians, too. Dear God, I didn't think about that illustration. I could go this way a long way. They start changing. Grapes don't taste like raisins. It's an altogether different taste, okay? They're on the shelf. They're, they're shriveled up. They die. If you're going to have plump, luscious, fruitful grapes, they got to stay connected to the vine, and the fruit comes from the root, If you're not connected spiritually to this third picture of the church, you have no fruit in your life. You dry up, you wither. You don't have ability. A disconnected branch cannot bear fruit, has no power to produce anything. Your life will be unproductive if you don't have the right connection. So what kind of fruit do I produce when I'm connected, not just to the temple of God, not just the body of Christ, but to the true vine? What kind of fruit do I produce? Can I share with you something? I told our our growth phase on Thursday night. There's no shame in admitting this. I don't know how many times I've preached and taught can you imagine as a preacher on the fruit of the Spirit? 
mean, I did a whole series, nine weeks on the fruit of the Spirit. And I was reading this. I'll just be honest with you, it hit me for the first time. I, I just didn't, I guess I didn't realize it. What kind of fruit do I want to produce? This is the kind of fruit I want to produce, Galatians 5, 22 and 20, 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the kind of fruit I want to produce. Now leave that verse on the screen for a minute. I'd like to have that kind of fruit in my life. How many of you in your, your chair today, you say I'd like to have that kind of fruit, okay? Yep. You only get that fruit by being connected. Why? Because every one of those characteristics are relational. Every one of them are relational. You can't love by yourself. You can't have peace till you get somebody around you who's not peaceful. You can't learn patience by yourself. You learn it from relationships. You learn peace in relationships. How do you learn gentleness? By sitting in your room all day. You can't. You learn gentleness in relationships. You learn faithfulness in relationships. None of those things you can learn on your own. None of them. They're all a matter of connection. you got to be connected. And when you're connected to the vine, this third metaphor of the church, then you have love. Then you have joy and peace and patience and kindness and all the opportunities to learn. So I want you to write down the third benefit. You'll see your underline on your card. Here's the third benefit. I get God's power to change. I get God's power to change and connection, connect groups. I can become more loving rather than unloving. I can be at more peace rather than being stressed out. I can be more gentle rather than being angry. I can be more patient rather than being impatient. I want you to listen to this. It's very important. There are some things in your life right now that you don't like about you. You don't like them. And there are some things in your life that you don't like that you'd like to change. And you've actually tried to change them. We've all done this. Maybe many, many times, and maybe you failed like me. If you could, you would, but you can't, so you won't. Because you can't change on your own. And I think the biggest problems in your life sometimes will be so big that, that you're never able to change them on your own. Some problems in your life are so big, you have to tackle them. Team tackle them. Like on a football team, you got big one giant running back, you got to team tackle that dude. You got to wrap him up and tackle him to the ground. There are some problems in your life you're never going to get rid of on your own. You get rid of them in community. You get rid of them in accountability. You get rid of them in vulnerability, being connected to a connect group, having other people encouraging you, having other people praying for you, having other people team tackling with this sin in your life, having people help you and support you and hold you accountable. That's the value of our connect groups. It's the stubborn things in my life that I want to change but I can't and God wired in such a way that you don't get well on your own we need each other did you know that in some ways we only get healed through community Uh, Stephen Arterburn wrote a book a couple years ago called the healing is a choice and he gives 10 lies of the enemy lie number one is all I need to heal is God in me biggest lie of the enemy you don't need God in you to heal you need people to heal You need relationship to heal. And some of those problems are so big, you need the help of others. That's the third thing you get. There's one more, finally, the fourth picture of the church in the Bible. It connects me to God's family. It connects me to God's family. And you can't get that anywhere else. You can't get connection to God's family at your business. You can't get it at school. You can get connection to God's family when you become a part of a giant family of God that's been around for thousands of years. Can I say it this way? A Christian without a church family is an orphan. They've been born into the body, but they don't have brothers and sisters who are around them. And when you're born, you automatically become part of the human race. Do you know that? When I was born, I was born November 6, 1985 at 5.54 a.m. in Erlinger Hospital in Chattanooga, Tennessee. 
And when I was born, I didn't have any choice. I automatically became a part of the human race. But I didn't become a part of the family until what happened? Until somebody decided to take me home from the hospital. Thankfully, that was my mom and dad. Somebody chose to take you in as a baby. And that became your family. What does a baby need more than anything else? It needs a family. And when you become a Christian, when you start your journey with Christ, when you put faith in Christ, you become a believer, what you need more than anything else is not Bible study. It's not even prayer. What you need more than anything else is a spiritual family. Somebody to take you in. You need a church family to take care of you and help you grow. And you'll then learn all the other things. We call it in growth phases modeling community. A modeling community in formation phase. You, you learn other things. They're caught rather than taught. So let's look at some Bible verses as we close down. Romans eight sixteen. look what he says. God's spirit joins himself to our spirits to declare that we are God's children. We're children in God's family. Look at 1 Timothy 3, 15. I want you to know, Paul says, how people who are members, there's that word members, of God's family must live. God's family is the church. We have to be taught how to live as members in God's family. There's some family assignments, some family responsibility, family benefits, family rules, family guidelines. He says, I want you to know how people who are members of God's family must live. Three weeks from tonight, from 6 to 7.30 p.m., October 9th, right here in this room, we'll set up tables. We'll have our membership matters. If you've not yet become a member of Dwelling Place Church, this is your time. Why not make the step from being a tender to member, from believer to belonger, from consumer to contributor, from spectator to participator, from attender to member? Being a member of God's family. Listen, um, it's been quoted, we can do more with 12 disciples than 12,000 religious consumers. Let me say it a different way. We can do more with 100 people committed to all four parts of our strategy than 1,000 people who just gather. Let me say it again. We can do more in this community with 100 people who are committed to all four parts of our strategy, growing, gathering, uh, a growing, gathering, grouping, and being a part of giving, gifting teams as we go than 1,000 people who just gather once a week. We can we can. A modeling community. So come, 1 Peter 2 and 17. When you come to Membership Matters, by the way, those who've been through Membership Matters, when you resign that Celebrate Community Covenant, do you know what God says is your number one responsibility as a member of a local church? You know what that is? You know what God says it is? The number one thing you must do as a member. If you join this church, this has to be your number one priority. You must love other members. You celebrate the community. You celebrate others. It's a first and foremost responsibility. Look at 1 Peter 2.17. Love your brothers and sisters in God's family. In our church, we have that membership covenant. Loving. I promise to love other members. You may not like them, but you promise to love them. Love is the ultimate connection. It's all about love. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Colossians 3.14, he said, look at this verse. Most important. Can you circle that? Most important. If Paul says that, that's what he means. Love each other. Notice that. Because love is what holds you together in perfect unity. Love is what holds the spiritual temple together. Love is what holds the body of Christ together. Love is what holds the tree of fruit together. Love is what holds the family of God together. It's all about love. So what's the benefit of this fourth picture? I'm loved and I'm accepted. It's where I feel that, where I sense that. It's the benefit of being a member of a local church family, being connected. I'm loved and I'm accepted. And the bottom line is life is all about connecting. If you're disconnected, you're missing out on a whole lot of love, a whole lot of love. I want you to turn 
look at the top of your outline, the very first verse. I'll end with the first verse. 2 Corinthians 8 and 5 says, Paul talks about two kinds of commitment. And he says this, first, they gave themselves to the Lord. And then by God's will, they gave themselves to us as well. Here at Dwelling Place, notice that. These are first commitments. Commitment to the Lord, commitment to a church family. You become a Christian by committing yourself to Christ. You become a church member by committing yourself to a church, to the people around you. Notice, though, it's by what? God's will that you do this. God's will is that you commit to Christ. God's will is that you commit yourself to a local family. Commitment to Christ, commitment to his church. You say, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. That's like saying, I love Jesus, but I can't stand his body. Let's just play this out a minute. What if I said to you, I like you, but your body stinks? How stupid would that be? It would make no sense. You'd be offended. The church is called the bride of Christ. What if I said to you, I like you, but I can't stand your wife? And God is offended when you say about his body, I can't stand it. Because that's his bride. That's the church. He says this is a choice. They gave themselves and gave themselves to us. I don't care sincerely. Other than saying, God, help us to commit, to find the church. By the way, I'm going to ask the team to come. If you say, I'm going to wait until I find the perfect church, you're never going to find one. And by the way, if you ever find a perfect church, please, over your dead body, please don't join it. Because the moment you join it, it won't be perfect anymore. Because you're not perfect. What if we put at the front of our interest right here into our facility... No perfect people need apply. <laughs> Why? This is a church for people who aren't perfect and they know it. This is a church for people who don't have it all together. If you're perfect, please go to another church. We don't want you here at all because you don't know how much you really don't know about you. We want imperfect people who are progressing, growing, becoming who God's called them to be. So let's sum this up. A church family, Christ's body, helps you connect in many ways that nothing else on this planet earth can do. Helps you connect to God by letting Him, getting to know Him, love Him, and trust Him. Second, it teaches you how to connect to others through learning real love, belonging to a spiritual family. Listen, being in a connect group is a laboratory for learning to love. Being in a connect group is a laboratory for learning how to be who God's asked you to be. You learn relationships that you didn't learn at home. It helps you connect with the truth through the Word of God, through Bible study, through tools, through resources, through all the habits that help you grow. It helps you connect with yourself because it gives the opportunity to develop talents and giftings, to get outside yourself, to be unselfish. It teaches you how to love, to discover your spiritual shape for serving others. It helps you connect with opportunities in the world to develop your life message to fulfill your life mission that's why we do church if we didn't believe this stuff we'd never planted this church and one day listen to me dwelling place if Jesus comes back in a thousand years we don't know when he's going to come back but don't miss this if you hadn't heard anything I said listen to this right now if he comes back in a thousand years I can tell you with strong confidence there will not be a Microsoft in a thousand years there probably will not be an Apple computer corporation in a thousand years there won't be any of the businesses that you you frequently daily visit on a daily basis in a thousand years 
There won't be a United States of America more than likely in 1,000 years. Hugely, highly unlikely if Jesus hasn't come back in 1,000 years. Why? Because no empire lasts forever. Where's the Hittite empire? Where's the Babylonian empire? Where's the Assyrian empire? They're not there because man-made stuff doesn't last forever. But I can tell you this. If Jesus waits for 1,000 years, no matter what's on this earth, the church of Jesus Christ will still be here. His people will be gathering together in local contacts and loving one another and reaching to the world and, and it will outlast every government. There's no government that matches the church of Jesus. It's already outlasted every government. Companies come and go. Political dynasties come and go. The church just keeps on going. I would bet my money on the church because it's the only thing that's going to last forever. Is it perfect? No. Because you're not perfect and I'm not perfect. It's made up of imperfect people but have you taken these two steps? Committed yourself to Jesus and committed yourself to a people. But I just felt the Lord prick me to pray that there would be an explosion of growth relationally in our church. You know, when we do this meet and greet and we tell you, that it's really interesting to watch that time and turn around and greet one another. Why do we do that? This is silly. Well, I can tell you why we do that. It's entirely possible that you, you could be sitting next to someone that you've never met before in your life and it just so happens that they represent the single greatest spiritual weapon God has given you access to so you can fight with them in this next season of our life. And our shocker, catch this, our shocker, our heart is that we want you to meet each other. I know it sounds crazy, right? You could find your greatest spiritual weapon down the road from you, but that could be the case. To fight with you. To war with you. I know it's crazy. What are we thinking? We've gone mad. We're actually trying to connect the body of Christ to one another. That's crazy, I know. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says a threefold cord is not easily broken. You mean the person on my left and right right now? Possibly. I don't want to be a church that's known for being friendly. Did you hear me? I do not want to be a friendly church. Because honestly, I just left a city called Cleveland, Tennessee. And it's the most church community, 312 churches in one county, 100,000 people. It's the most church county per capita of any county in the entire world. And it's really friendly. In fact, if you get a car trouble when you go on the side of the road, you're going to cause a traffic jam because about 48 cars are going to pull over to try to help you. It's the most friendly place on the planet. Friendly. You pull over the side of the road in Atlanta, God be with you because you're going alone. You pull over on 92, your car door's getting ripped off. I mean, it's... God be with you. I walked through our community a couple months back and I just walked and I did a survey of 100 people and, and less than 25 of them looked me in the eyes. That means less than 25% acknowledged I was a human. So I learned very early on moving to Woodstock, it's gonna be easy for us to be known as a friendly church, but I don't wanna be known as a church that's friendly. I wanna be known as a church that's family. Not friendly, family. There's a difference between friendly and family. You say, Craig, you know what I'm talking about. Because when you go home this afternoon and it's still raining outside and you put on those ugliest sweatpants that you got in your whole closet and them things are ratty. They got holes in bad places. They got holes in places you wouldn't rather, you would rather not talk about where those holes are. You got that ratty shirt. It's got yellow up under the stains, you know, where you've been sweating for the last 10 years in that thing. You got stains all over the place and you sit, and, and, and you sit down with it. Amazingly, everybody in your house is okay with it. You walk downstairs and you sit down on the couch and nobody in the room says, what in the world have you got on? You just watch the game. It's just family. You, how come you don't wear that 
to church. I'll tell you why. Because they're not family. They're not family. I want it to be okay to come to this church with sin-stained sweatpants and sin-stained t-shirts. And you come into the midst of this church and you, you don't got it all together. You, you got holes in places that you didn't think anybody would know you got holes. That we don't look at people who are not where we are and judge them. But we embrace those people and say, I used to have those sweatpants too. I think we need to put that on the back of our next shirt. I used to have sweatpants like you. I used to have stains in my shirt too. And we just embrace them and we wrap our arms around them and we're content not with just being a friendly church but we want to be family we want to embrace people we belong to the family of God and I love this why because God is connecting people and you're bumping into people that God wants to use in this season of your life what has God called you to build with your life the thing God's calling you to build is too big for you to build alone you need help and the more you fellowship as a family, the easier it is to look upon everyone else's building project and go, I can help. And when you help with somebody else, you want to you you feel meaning in this life. Create something beautiful that helps other people. You look at other people and say, I'll help with your building project. I'll put my hands to your work. I'll put my hands to what God's doing in you. And all of a sudden, when we start relating to each other like family like that, you can't win a divided world with a divided church. You've got to be a family church. You've got to be a one church. You're not just going to be friendly. We're going to be family. Everybody wants to be a part of a family. So Paul says this, finally. Would you come, man? He gives two commitments we're to make. This is what he says. First, they gave themselves to the Lord, and then, by God's will, they gave themselves to us as well. We call this the first commitments. Notice that. Two commitments you make. They gave themselves to the Lord. Your first commitment is to, to Jesus. But you know what your second commitment is? The church family. Can I say it this way? When you commit to Christ, you want to be a Christian, you commit yourself to Christ. When you want to be a church member, you commit to a group of people and you say, that's going to be my spiritual home. First, they gave themselves to the Lord and then by God's will. Now, do you notice that? It's God's will for you to do this. It's not my words. It's God's will for you to give yourself to the Lord and then God's will to give yourself to a people. It's my family. I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. That's like saying I love Jesus but can't stand his body. Church is the body of Christ. What if I came to you one day and I said, man, I really like you, but your body stinks. You'd be offended. Church is called the bride of Christ. What if I said to you, I like you, bro, but I can't stand your wife. She gets on my nerves. You'd be offended. And God is offended when you say, I love you, God, but I can't stand your bride. I can't stand your body. As an 18-year-old, I got really critical, Zay. I was in a church that wasn't too healthy. And I was learning truth and I was growing. And I was getting really, really, really critical of everything around me. And one day in prayer, I'll never forget it to the day I die. The Lord gave me a vision. And I saw myself standing there with a white or a yellow steno notepad. And I was writing down, looking at the church, everything that was wrong with her. I would never do this. I would never do that. And the Lord gave me this picture. And he tapped me on the shoulder and he whispered in my ear. He said, Craig, that's my bride you're talking about. I don't want to be caught talking about Jesus' wife. 
I want to belong as Jesus' wife. <laughs> I want to identify as his beautiful bride. I want to commit myself to a people. Commit myself to the Lord and commit myself to a people. It's not automatic. You have to give yourself to it. I don't care which church you join, really. If God's not called you to be a part of this church, by all means, we don't want you to be a part of this church, right? Why would we? We want God's will for you. But if God's called you to be a part of this church, make the jump. God's calling you to group, group. God's calling you to grow, grow. He's calling you to give, give. He's calling you to gather, gather. I told the Lord this week, Lord, help us to be a church in the future where we have more people in our connect groups than in our gatherings. I pray that. That's my sincere heart. Lord, in our homes, in our communities, Lord, raise them up. Lighthouses, Father. And by the way, if you say, I'm going to wait till I find a perfect church to join one, you're never going to find one. And by the way, if you ever find a perfect church, please don't join it because the moment you join, it won't be perfect anymore because I know you ain't perfect. So please don't join it. Let's put on our door, no perfect people need to apply. Because there's no perfect people. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. This is a church for people who want to grow. People who got sweatpants and people who got nice slacks on. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. That's why we do church. Again, thanks so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. God bless you.